I'm Leah Carey, and this is Good Girls Talk About Sex. This is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. Before we get started, I want to tell you this. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with the things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. In today's episode, we'll meet Danielle, a 41-year-old cisgender woman who describes herself as white, Jewish, heteroflexible, married, and monogamous. Danielle is the type of person who is willing to put it all out on the table, which must be why we became instant friends when we met several months ago. That is also the secret to the popularity of her podcast, Marriage and Martinis, which you'll hear a bit about as we're talking. I'm so pleased to introduce Danielle. I am so excited to be talking with Danielle today. I first met her through a podcasting group that we're both part of and got to appear on her show, with her husband, Adam, called Marriage and Martinis, which if you're not already listening to it, you should be. And I'll give you more information about it at the end of the show. But they do this wonderful thing where they actually are sorting through the image, the issues of their marriage live on air with their podcast audience. And it's so real and so vulnerable and amazing that I knew as soon as I had an actual conversation with her that I definitely wanted her to be here as a guest on this show. So Danielle, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you again. Awesome. So let's go back to the beginning. How did you first come in contact with the idea of sex? Do you remember? Yeah, I think I've always been, first of all, I'm a third child. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Um, I am the seventh of eight, seventh of eight grandchildren. Um, so I had a lot of older, you know, siblings, cousins, influences in my life. I was always an experimental kid in many capacities. I tried my first cigarette at eight years old. I was always very interested in trying to act more mature and older. I think maybe to sort of fit in more with my older cousins and siblings. Um, I would say my, my first recollection of actually um, having some kind of feeling turned on or something was uh, the movie Flashdance. <gasps> oh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> and I just remember when she's dancing and stuff, and there's a there's a, a split second or two where there's nudity. And I believe that was the first time I had seen nudity um, in, in a movie or anything. And I remember rewinding that scene and playing it over and over and over and just having this new feeling that I had never had before. Yeah. So when did that start um, moving into your real life as opposed to your screen life? 
I was very curious, I think with or without the movies, I think that's, you know, people blame and say, oh, well, you shouldn't have watched or this or that. I think with or without, I was always very curious about sex. In seventh grade, I really started making out with boys. And uh, it started as um, feeling like I wanted to belong. And maybe that's how I got a sense of belonging. I think I had some good experiences. And then I think I had some experiences looking back now where it was probably just a waste. You know, just, yeah, Mm -hmm. just sort of, uh, I'm sure I did not derive any pleasure out of it. It was sort of just to be there, you know, to be... uh, in the moment with a popular boy or mm-hmm. at a party with popular kids or it was to, to belong. Yeah. But then I did also have a boyfriend who I think for as young as I was, we were kind of serious. Like I really think I loved him as silly as that sounds. And I think in seventh and eighth grade, we did a lot of experimenting, but I also think we had very real feelings for each other. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound silly to me at all. Yeah, I think some people would think it does. Yeah, but, but I mean, we don't suggest that kids don't actually feel sad when a dog dies or happy when, you know, whatever. Those are real feelings. Right, that's very true. Yeah, yeah. you're right. That's very, very So good point. in that seventh grade relationship, you said that you were fooling around. How far were you going with that boy? I think by eighth grade, I was engaging in oral sex, mm. not him to me, but me to mm-hmm. him. And I think, like I said, things escalated for me very quickly to that point. And then I did not lose my virginity until I was 20 years old. Okay. So was oral sex something that you were wanting and pursued or was it something that he was pushing toward? I think I always saw oral sex as an out to having to have sex. And I think I was afraid to have sex. So for a very long time, I used oral sex as, okay, well, I could still satisfy him, but I don't have to worry about actually engaging in sex. Interesting. So what was it about sex that was so intimidating for you? That's a really, that's a loaded question for me. And I've tried to think it over in my mind. I think, first of all, I I suffer from obsessive compulsive disorder um, to the point where sometimes it's been sort of, um, hasn't affected my life so terribly to times where it's been completely debilitating and I haven't been able to leave my bedroom. I think that I would, I would worry that, uh, if I engaged in sex, I would automatically have thought I was pregnant. Mm. I was. I would automatically have thought I had every STD. I would have just gone from point A to point Z of, you know, I did it, so I must be. Uh-huh. Which is how your mind works when you have OCD. And I think that was maybe a defense mechanism for me. That even if I would make out with a boy, sometimes I would worry I was pregnant mm. or that kind of thing. So. I think I always had it in my mind that, you know, that, that for me, I knew that I would automatically go to that place of, oh my God, I did it. So I'm going to be the one person who used a condom and was careful, but gets pregnant anyway, or I'm going to be the one person who uh, ends up with a STD or I'm going to be, you you always think it's just you. You don't realize that, you know, millions of other people have the same thing happen. When you have OCD, you're the bad the bad seat, Uh the bad person. So I think that had a lot, looking back now, 
I think that that I realized I had a lot to do with it. So uh, my knowledge of OCD is pretty much entirely based on what I've seen on television. <laughs> so uh-huh, um, that's, yeah. and that's uh, a lot about cleanliness um, is often the way that it's portrayed. So did yours have an aspect of concerns around cleanliness? It morphs. I uh, have gone through that with the hand washing and everything. But no, mine, I had uh, something that's called scrupulosity. And scrupulosity is, it's very interesting because your, set, you, your name is Good Girls Talk About Sex. Well, scrupulosity is all about uh, trying to prove what a, that you're actually a good moral person. Oh, wow. And you feel like it's going to just, um, that, that that's going to be proven false if you do something bad. So you oftentimes in your mind picture yourself, it's almost like hallucinating, doing bad things or the worst thing happening to you or doing something that um, will get you into trouble. And then you won't be that good person mm-hmm. anymore. So uh, I didn't know at the time that there was until I was older that there was a term for it. Uh, but I think that I was always so worried that I was going to end up being like you say, the bad girl mm-hmm. that everybody was going to look at me and my family and um, I was going to be the one who messed everything up. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That sounds like an incredibly painful way to live. Yeah. For a long time, I lived like that yeah. for a really long time. I don't think that I realized really what that was um, until I was pregnant. And that's when I really got help mm-hmm. because it was really, really bad. Mm-hmm. The reason I asked the question about cleanliness is that I can imagine that being an issue with oral sex. I mean, with oral sex, there can be a mess. And and I wonder if that played into it for you at all. No, I don't think so. I think for me, it was a a cleanliness as more of a feeling of shame, Mm -hmm. and um, but not shame in just the act itself, but the shame of oh, well, I've heard from oral oral sex, you can get AIDS. So I, I would do it. And then I would obsess, 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 obsess for weeks after Mm. that I was the person who was going to get AIDS or herpes or whatever it is. I was going to have the stigma. Yeah. That was going to be, and I was going to have to tell my parents and I was going to have to tell my friends. And yeah. You said around 20, you had your first experience of intercourse Mm -hmm. sex. Mm -hmm. What got you to the place where you were ready to take that next step? I think I, I felt like I was 20. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that I felt like I had held it off as long as I possibly could. I had gone through high school with all of my friends losing their virginity. Uh, I was always the one person I had had boyfriends break up with me. Um, I was always the one person who was the virgin. Mm. And then I went to college and then it became even more conspicuous. Was that first experience of intercourse a positive one for you? I think it was fine. Um, I think the guy who I lost my virginity with was in my mind, a really good guy to lose your virginity with. We had been in a relationship for quite a while. He had sort of, he was a gentleman. He had courted me. He was very patient for a long time. Um, he was a really good, nice, decent guy, really good guy, cute and the kind of the whole package. And I think I felt like he was the perfect means to an end. 
So uh, I don't, I, I, I can remember a few times enjoying mm. sex with him. It wasn't a great experience, but it was good enough. Um, as much as looking back, God, I don't ever want any of my children to say that it was mm -hmm. good enough for them. You know, like, I don't want that to be an experience for anybody. It should always, you know, you want it to be <laughs> pleasurable and um, you don't want to feel like you're doing it yeah. just to do it. But I, I do think at that time when I woke up the next day, I was like, okay, good. That's over with. I'm done. Yeah. I didn't have sex for the first time until I was 25. And I, I mean, the guy and I were dating and, and, you know, okay. <laughs> it, but, um, it was, it was not right. great. And the reason that I did it was because I didn't want to be the world's oldest living virgin. It's a pressure. Yeah. It really is. It's a pressure, especially in today's society. And um, I do, I think that there's a lot of, you know, what's, I feel like at some point, everybody asks you if you're close enough, how old were you when you lost your virginity? Or, and to be 20 and say, oh, I haven't lost it yet, or 25 and say, oh, I haven't lost it yet. There's a definite shame associated with that. I think as much as obviously there shouldn't be, there is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So how did you discover masturbation? Uh, it's so funny. The, our, we just recorded a podcast episode on, on Sunday where we talk all about this. So it's fresh in my mind. Yay. <laughs> We, we hadn't intended to, but we wound up talking about it for like 15 minutes. I remember this, the feeling of randomly happening to touch myself. Maybe I was watching TV or something like that. And having that, having a feeling of, oh my God, what was that? You know? Um, and I think I remember thinking to myself, I think it must've been in like fifth or sixth grade. Huh. I remember thinking to myself, uh, oh, oh my God, how, you can make yourself feel like that. I, I had no idea. And I guess that's kind of when it started. And what we were actually talking about in the podcast episode was uh, I, in seventh grade, had a group of friends who didn't go to my school. They actually went to Adam, to my husband's school. And uh, I remember sitting up really late with them one night and we just was one of those nights where you end up revealing all this stuff. And I mean, we were in seventh grade, so how much were we revealing? But for a seventh grader, yeah, it was one of those late night girl talks where you're very, you know, you're just, it's like <laughs> one of those fun all nighters. And I remember one of them started talking about masturbation. And I just remember thinking to myself, yeah. holy shit, we could talk about this. You know, I, I, and I guess because they didn't go to my school, maybe I felt safe enough. Like they weren't going to run back and tell everybody. And uh, so there was a safety in that. But I remember talking about that with them. And I remember for the first time being yeah. like, wow, people talk about this stuff. How did you feel about your body growing up um, in terms of like, did you have body issues? Did you feel like you were that cute girl? I think that I, first of all, I went to a school. Uh, I went to a prep school where everybody was super attractive. Uh, I think I always felt less attractive than everybody. I think that I was always an athlete. So I think in high school and college, I, I, I probably had a very good athletic figure and I was mm. obsessed with my weight. I mean, obsessed. It has always been an issue for me. I didn't actually start gaining weight and having to, to having to diet or you know, feeling like I really needed to lose weight. Once I had kids, it became a struggle. 
But I think when I was in high school and college, there was probably a point where I was pretty much starving myself because uh, I, you know, so I so badly wanted to be thin. And how did that affect your relationships with the boys who you were dating? I think they probably thought I had a good body and therefore they wanted to make out. Yeah, I think it was probably Mm -hmm. like I looked the way you should look to want to make out with a girl. You know, I don't think they were embarrassed to go back and say that they made out with me. I think they, you know, I think probably I had a great, I was, you know, you're 17 and you play field hockey all day long or whatever it is that you, your metabolism is awesome, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it, it was, I think I probably dichotomously, I probably had really, really horrible self-esteem, but a really, really great body. Like if I look back at pictures now, I'm like, oh my God, I was a twig. But I didn't mm-hmm. think I was a twig at the time. At the time, I thought that I needed to lose weight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you first started having actual – well, I, I guess um, the intercourse is maybe not a great delineation because it sounds like you were already like probably naked with Definitely. boys if you were giving blowjobs before that. So um, – I'm just, I'm curious about how our relationship with our body affects our relationship with sex. Mm -hmm. So um, as you started having more intense experiences with your sexual partners, did your feelings about your body affect like, oh, I need to look this way. So I'm going to lie this way or do this thing that sort of takes you out of the sexual experience. Well, first of all, I've only had two sexual partners. I've had my the the boy I lost my virginity with and then I I mean I've been with my husband since I was almost 22 so uh really all of my experimenting has been with him I think Mm -hmm. everything before that was the standard you kiss then you go to second base then you go to third base then you I think it was literally that uh you know there was no experimentation other than that. Uh, so I really, my entire sexual self has, you know, my, my entire world has been with my husband. Are you aching to explore new vistas of your sexuality? Do you hear me talk about concepts on this show and think it makes sense, but I need help applying it to my particular situation? That's where personalized sex and intimacy coaching comes in. When you work with me, I promise to help you feel safe exploring your sexuality. Together, we'll look at your needs and desires without judgment and help you figure out how to fulfill them. There is no single answer that's right for everyone, so I'm going to help you discover what's right for you. And we'll go at your pace. That's the pace that respects your emotional needs, your boundaries, and your nervous system. Because going too fast can send you into shutdown, while going too slow can be infuriating and exhausting. The goal is to find what's right for you. I work with clients who are motivated to explore many different areas of sexuality, including things like expressing your sexual desires to current or future partners, exploring if you might be queer, 
challenging body image insecurity and sexual relationships, dipping your toes into BDSM, exploring consensual non-monogamy, learning to date after a long time out of the dating pool, exploring your sexuality for later in life virgins, and so much more. I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life, and together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. That's leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. So let's talk about you and your husband then. Okay. (laughs) How was when you had that first sexual experience with him? How was it? Was it good right away or did it take time to develop? No, it took a very long time to develop. I think what we considered to be good at the time, I think our standards were a lot lower. Mm. Um, I think my husband on the opposite end, whereas I only had two partners, he had many, many, many partners. And so when we got together, um, I think I felt like I was inexperienced and he was experienced, but I don't think his were experiences. I just think he had a lot of sex. Oh, that's an interesting distinction. Yeah, I don't think at all that anything that he, you know, I don't, I don't think he was having lots of different experiences. I think he was literally just getting out there, meeting a girl and having sex. I actually really love that distinction because I do think that we have this idea that people, that the number of partners you have is directly corollary to the amount of experience you have. But if you are doing the same A, B, and C with every partner, that's maybe not exactly having a lot of experience. Yeah, I don't think he did. I don't even think he had, I mean, I I don't know very much about, you know, I haven't, I haven't asked him too many specifics, but I don't think it was, they weren't these amazing, passionate nights, I don't think. I literally think he was just having sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, knowing he wasn't really the nicest guy at the time. So he probably uh, wasn't even putting much effort into trying to, he was probably just trying to, you know, get a notch in his belt, mm-hmm. so to speak, which sounds awful to say. And he will probably kill me when he hears that. But I think... <laughs> I think he would say it himself. I mean, I think when you're, you know, he was, when you're a 17 year old guy out with the guy friends and going to bars and you're not looking to like give a girl the best night of her life. Right. You're looking to get get laid. Yeah. So neither of us really knew what we were doing when we first had, you know, neither of us were, it was literally like just going through the motions, I think. And I think we did that for a long time. So what made you keep going back and, and doing that? Um, Why did you continue if it wasn't amazing? I guess I didn't know how to get to amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, I think maybe I just thought, I think it was good. I think it was fine. I think I probably had orgasms and I think he thought it was good enough. And I think we just both thought it was good enough. Yeah. Um, and so, and then I think it really wasn't until after we started having kids and our relationship changed and our bond changed hmm. that we really started to get experimental. Interesting. Yeah. And so how, how old is your oldest child? 13. So, so you've had about 13 years of. Yeah, I would say a little less, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe when she was a few years old, we really started. But I would say in the last five to 10 years, 
I mean, whole different worlds have opened up. So do tell. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what kinds of things have you experimented with? And I think we loved each other very, very much, but we weren't necessarily close and bonded hmm. for a long time. Hmm. We have always had a very passionate relationship in, in the fighting sense. And I think that across the board that, that, that got strengthened in so many ways. And I think in the bedroom, that was one of those ways. So as much as we are, we fight a ton and we have a very, uh, a very volatile relationship in many ways, we also have a very wonderful relationship. Mm. So, so when you started experimenting, who led that? Who sort of took the first step and said, Hey, honey, I want to try something new. Yeah, I don't even know how that happened. Um, I just remember us starting to, to do things that uh, that we hadn't done before. I think we just got more experimental. Um, I remember trying, you know, doing things like choking for the first time mm. or spanking for the first time. And I remember us both really liking it. And that was something that we had never done before. And I think that... Um, we started, you know, we started making out in the backseat of Ubers uh -huh. or just stuff that was different that we, I think we got to a certain point where we were like, well, fuck it. We better do it now. And then we did it. And we were like, why have we not been doing this? Huh. So I, you know, and it's hard when you have kids at home. Um, it's, it's very hard, especially now with a teenager, uh, because, you know, they knock on the door or they walk into the room or it, it's, it's very difficult to find time that I think we were forced to sort of um, have these late date nights. And then because we had to wait till the kids were asleep before we could come home and have sex. So that kind of led to us being out longer and talking longer and bonding longer. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I think that it led to sort of, coming home after a long night of, okay, well now we feel really connected and then going into the bedroom. And I think that just, you know, it just, uh, just kind of transitions into the bedroom. That is fascinating. I, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, so during your time with Adam, have you discovered that there are certain types of touch that you enjoy the most? I think that I, I'm tur definitely turned on by more aggressive behavior. Mm -hmm. I think that um, when I'm in the moment, I I like that dirtier feeling. Yeah. Um, I I found that I probably could push those limits a lot further, and that we already have. But again, it's time and you know it's we tend to do these things when we go away or when we're on vacation or we try to take a night away every couple months mm -hmm. just because it's I think I always say hotel sex is so much different <laughs> yeah than home sex <laughs> I mean it's just a whole different ball game yeah you know you're away what five percent of your life and so if that's all the time that you have to experiment it makes it hard. Yeah. So yeah. as you started discovering that you enjoy the more aggressive, do, um, being the recipient of the more aggressive, assertive behavior, has Adam kept pace with that? Like, it, does he enjoy that being oh, on yeah. the other side of that? 
I think he enjoys both. Yeah, I think we both like it. That's back and forth. Um, I think that that has sort of become a standard in our, um, you know, in our yeah, in our sex life is very much. It tends to turn aggressive. Yeah, and and I think we both we. We both like it, which is great. It's one thing that we we both are completely on the same page about. That's awesome. I'm yeah. I am just um, in the early stages. I mean, this has been going on for a few months, but that's still early stages of experimenting with this sort of aggressive, assertive stuff with my partner. And I've discovered that I absolutely love it when he talks to me like you know the the physically assertive stuff is fun but when he gives me directions or gives me orders i'm like putty in his hands right <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah I, I mean it's so great when you when you discover something that you really like and the other person is on board with it yeah because i would say of the two of us in a lot of ways, I think I'm definitely the much more experimental of the two of us. I think uh, I probably would do a lot more experimenting, and I probably am the one who has gotten him to try things, and then he likes it. Um, I think the podcast has gotten us to try things. Um, it's opened us up mm -hmm. to other things that we hadn't opened up to before. I think it's opened up a whole new world for us, and I think... Uh, you know, maybe the connection we've felt since starting the podcast for each other has strengthened it. But um, yeah, for sure. I think at 40, I feel like I'm ready to take things to the next level. Mm. You know, I think I, I'm ready to try things that I, I really want to try. You had talked about going to hedonism and everything. I would love to do all that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So note to all listeners, you want a better sex life, start a podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, also, if you want to fight more, start a podcast. <laughs> with your it husband specifically. <laughs> it works both ways, right. With your husband specifically. Yes, yes. It's just like starting a business with your husband. You know, it's like on the one hand, you think to yourself, oh my God, did I really do that? On the other hand, you know, thankfully we like talking to each other. Yeah. Enough, so. <laughs> the two of you, I just find you incredibly brave. And um, oh, thank you. And yeah, I love listening to the two of you. Anyway. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, have you come across any hard red lines, absolute no's that you don't want to engage in together? Uh, I think that any kind of threesome or bringing someone else into the mix is a hard no. Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, Neither of us have the self-esteem for that. Mm. Our marriage is very, when we're close, we're very, very close. When we're distant, we're very, very distant. Mm. I think bringing anybody else into the mix would cause all kinds of complications. Mm -hmm. Not to say that's not an experience I wouldn't love to have, but I don't think we can have it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think that's a hard no. Um, I hate anal sex. Uh -huh. I just absolutely hate it. That's a hard no for me. I absolutely hate it. Adam likes it. I hate it. I never want to have it again. Uh -huh. um, I think I went about probably maybe a couple years, two, three years participating in it. Oh, wow. And I look back and I'm angry at myself that I did. I also, to be fair to Adam, I don't think he knew. You know, I don't think I vocalized. I think I thought I was being a good wife mm -hmm. and a good sexual partner by – uh, just dealing. Yeah. Um, so I think I did it because I didn't want to be seen as prude or I didn't want to be seen as, um, you know, uh, not, uh, 
just, you know, not, not one of those girls who will try it, who will do anything. You know, I wanted to be that girl who would do anything. Yeah. And what brought you to the moment where you finally said, this is enough. I don't want to do this anymore. I think I've just become more like that in life. Mm. I think I just am more now um, getting to a point where I have the courage to say, I'm not okay with it. Friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate. Two are free, and one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one, take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. Tag me in your post, and if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. And the more people listening, the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two, don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex? I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend or something you wish your partner knew. Send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. And number three, if you have the resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. Plus, I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing. There is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. Getting to a point where I have the courage to say, I'm not okay with it. Before we finish up, let's do the quick five. Five quick questions we'd usually be too polite to ask any good girl. Do you have sex during your period? No. Or at least not purposely. <laughs> because you don't like it? Uh, yeah, I don't like it. Adam doesn't care. Okay. I, I don't like it. I First of all, um, I don't want to be the one to clean it after, and I don't want anybody else cleaning it after. <laughs> I understand that. So I don't want to be in a hotel and leave that for somebody else, mm-hmm. and I don't want to you know deal with the aftermath. How often do you have sex? Uh, again, ebb and flow depends where we are in our relationship. Um, 
you know, and especially if we're on vacation, it's several times a day. If we are, uh, if it's just regular life, uh, we could probably go three weeks without it and then have a weekend when we're very connected and do it three times that weekend. Mm -hmm. And do you tend to be on the same sort of like, uh, on the same cycle is how I'm thinking of it. Like you're both feeling really connected at the same time. Yes. I think when we have really, 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 really good sex, it's because we're in a really good place. Um, I think there are some times when we're not in a good place and we still have sex just because we want to have sex. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to say it's not good sex. It's just not the same. It's not the same kind of emotional and, uh, you know, and connected sex. Sure. Do you schedule sex or is it spontaneous? Um, we schedule date nights and we schedule nights away. And that's kind of how we schedule sex because, um, you know, life happens. And that's one thing in our marriage, you know, I, I, we say oftentimes on the podcast, there are so many things we've done wrong and, you know, so many mistakes and so many uh, things we've learned from and everything. I think consistently the one thing that we have always done, which for us has been, I think has saved our marriage again and again, is that we always make time to be alone. And we always make time to reconnect. And even like last weekend, we went away for the weekend and we were in one of those distant periods and um, we went away for the night and, you know, had amazing sex and it brought us back together. And just, I think it's so necessary, maybe not for every relationship, but certainly I think for many that you take that time and not be in the house and leave and just be a couple. Yeah. I think I think so many of us forget to do that. Yeah. Something else that um that my partner and I do is we have agreed that if there are times when we're cuz we have, you know, the regular ups and downs that every relationship sure. has, um when we're going through a challenging period, we have agreed that we still need to have sex through that uh -huh. difficult period because it keeps us connected and it helps us to remember what we're fighting for. And then when you have sex, do you feel uh, better and more connected after or are you still do you, or do you then do you just go back to your well, I, it doesn't solve the underlying issues, but it helps us to to feel more connected and uh -huh. to maybe find new pathways forward. I mean, we are both cuddlers. And so we have sex and then we cuddle. And in that space, sometimes we can have kind of intimate conversations that maybe are harder in other places. Right. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. How do you feel when your partner can't get an erection or keep an erection during sex? We don't usually have that problem. Sometimes we have the problem where he he says he can always finish, but there are sometimes when it takes a really long time. Uh, and that is bothersome to me because, um, you know, I, I think that uh, they're allowed to be done. And then we're done, but we're allowed to be done. And then we have to wait for them to be done. Ah, uh, yeah. So, um, you know, I, and I get, I tend to get sore and tired and, um, you know, the, and, but yet you feel like the bad wife or the bad woman saying, okay, no, I've had enough. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. I remember having a version of this conversation yeah. when I was on your podcast. And you know what? I have it here. So let's play some of it. I want Danielle to be able to finish every time, okay? Yeah. Sexually, obviously, yeah. we're talking here. Obviously, I'm going to because 
Well, it's, don't say obviously. Well, for, Some right. guys don't. Is that true? Yeah. Right? Yes. yes. That is oh, true. Oh, yeah. Okay. I apologize. I can finish every time no matter what. It's not a problem. I want Danielle to. But when I'm done and I know Danielle is not, I, there's nothing I can do more to help her finish. It's, it's almost like picture yourself having dinner and you're so full. And like somebody brings out another plate and you're just like, I can't eat anymore. If I do, I'm just going to fucking throw up. We got a lot of feedback about that. Did you really? Adam got a ton of feedback of a ton of people saying, oh my God, I can't believe you said that. It's so selfish. And which I thought at the time too, Adam Adam had said something like, when I'm done, I'm done. Right. Like, like it's like giving someone a plate of food after they're full. Yeah. He got a ton of bad feedback, but my my answer also to that is I think people are getting angry at him for speaking the truth. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. like you're not, you, everyone wants you to speak the truth and then you speak the truth and it's like, oh, you shouldn't have said that. Yeah. I think that he said something that is probably true for a lot of heterosexual couples. Yeah. Which I think is what's so, what's so great about him, you know, which is, as, yeah. as much as I wanted to, I wanted to punch him in the face when he said that, I also have to have <laughs> a lot of respect for him for being able to say it because, yeah. you know, I'm sure there are a ton of guys out there who feel the same way. So I wonder in having this conversation with you, I wonder if there might be a way to begin to change that conversation. If when you're done and he's not, and you're starting to get sore, which is an experience that I think most women can probably relate to. Uh huh. If Especially you, after 40. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> if you say, okay, I need to stop intercourse, but I'm still going to like, I will give you a hand job, I'll give you a blow job, I'll use a toy on you. There's actually a great toy. I'll put it in the show notes for this. It's called an egg. It's amazing. We love it. Oh, okay, um, cool. I'll send you the information for it. Um, okay. That I will continue to help you to get to your climax. But we need to, <laughs> we need to remove that restriction, uh, remove that from my you know, genital area. Right. And if he has that experience, then maybe it will help him to begin to understand the reverse, that there are times when you need more. Yeah. I think the reaction that he got from all of that, um, I think it was very eye-opening for him. And I think that he, you know, I, I think it was good because I think also that a lot of women said then they made their husbands listen to the episode uh-huh. because they wanted to, you know, and then I think it opens up a dialogue. Yeah. So I think that, even when he said it and got the uh, reaction, I think then he was sort of like, oh, wait a minute, maybe I should, maybe I need to, maybe I need to rethink that, which yeah. is great. Awesome. So, yeah. Excellent. Do you orgasm from intercourse? Yes, but I would say probably only 40% of the time, 50% of the time. Okay, great. So I want to make sure that people know exactly where to find you. And we've we've mentioned your podcast a bunch of times, but if you could just give people sort of like the quick synopsis of what sure. they'll hear when they tune in. Uh, yeah, so we're Marriage and Martinis. When you tune in, you will hear a lot of, of realness. Uh, you know, marriage is really fucking hard. Relationships are really fucking hard. Parenting is really fucking hard. And, uh, you know, it just, we need to start being more honest and get over the bullshit of how it's supposed to work and the filters and the this and the that and just get back to, let's just say it how it is. Yeah. 
So awesome. So they yeah. can find you on iTunes and all the regular places. Yeah, anywhere you get your podcasts. Instagram is a, a great place to find us and get all the updates. You can sign up for our emails if you go to our website, marijamartinis.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom and that keeps you updated on everything. Awesome. So, Danielle, yeah. thank you so much. This has been such a joy. Thank you. Yeah, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it's my pleasure. That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirlstalkaboutsex. While listening to those extras is free, producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you, and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. Show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at goodgirlstalk for more sex positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life.